So yes, uh, as you know, probably, uh, the works of Abba McCabe are not translated into other languages, apart uh, little exceptions, never republished in Portuguese and Dutch. But not in French, not in Italian, not in Spanish, not in German, not in Russian. So just in English. So why, how did I become aware of his own existence? Because there are not works of McCabe in Italy, I'm Italian. Because I was accompanying my students for uh, a school trip to Bournemouth and on the shelves of a bookshop, Waterstone bookshop, I found the, I read on the spine of the book on Aquinas, since I'm fond of Aquinas, I bought the book, I read it, and I thought, this is the best book on Aquinas I ever read. And I read quite a lot, from the Latin classics to into the French, famous French, Maritain, Gilson, and then the Italian after the Second World War. So I bought all the other books, and then when I applied for a PhD in my mature age, I uh, proposed this uh, dissertation about uh, McCabe. And uh, yes, I, I thank uh, the organizers, Simon Hewitt and the Breckfriars of Oxford. I met uh, Simon Hewitt uh, in early 2019 in London. And uh, whereas I met uh, the Breckfriars, not you, not you, but Simon Gain, Timothy Radcliffe, uh, Robert Ombres, uh, and uh, mm, mm, Peter Hunter, and, uh, and um, yes, and Richard Conrad in, 20, in early 2016, when I interviewed them. I interviewed quite a lot of people uh, linked somehow to McCabe, his former students here, but also some kindred spirits like David Burrell, Stanley Hauer was in America. And Alasdair McIntyre in America as well now. And also some friends of his, like Terry Eagleton. And also Melanie McDonough. So I could, uh, um, and also Anthony Kenny, who was, was just an acquaintance of his. Not a friend, actually. So I could uh, have uh, a direct, direct, uh, experience not of McCabe because he died before I could know his very existence but of people who knew him or his works well all the people I mentioned knew either him or his works or both well and uh, yes my the title of my paper is grand knowledge freedom and the meaning of life it uh, sounds like the title of a Monty Python film. <laughs> However, you know that he dealt with those topics, those paramount topics regarding human life. Herbert McCabe was an intelligent person, dedicated to intelligence. 
it was not at all the typical scholar into scholar into commerce of the 21st century western societies devoting most of his time to keeping abreast of what his colleagues are writing about the hottest topics of the moment in order to write about those topics himself and to address those colleagues through an impressive panoply of citations, footnotes, and bibliographies. He was not of that kind. The result of this eccentric McCabe's attitude was the vast amount of original and impressive ideas he conceived and conveyed or conveyed despite having written very little. In terms of the number of texts and the length of those texts. I, uh, I wrote a, a paper to be published in the monographic issue of Divus Thomas, uh, the Italian journal of the Dominican, Ital uh, Italian Dominican province called Divus Thomas, where I list 17 ideas, <laughs> original ideas, 17 by McCabe. Now, no worries, I will speak just about two of them, not all the 17. In my opinion, the just tribute of praise to a, think a thinker is the presentation of his, her, ideas, the test of truth, coherence, originality, and power they have in explaining the reality in which we live. This is one of the things that struck me while reading McCabe. While I could not name a single original idea of many authors in vogue, and of most of them only one, rarely two, I can mention many of McCabe's ideas. However, now I will focus, focus on two of them. The nature of freedom as related to knowledge and the meaning of life. First, freedom based on knowledge. In dealing with the topic of freedom, a quality of human nature that has been analyzed for millennia in both philosophy and theology, McCabe shows his awareness of this tradition. Although it does not cite authors, he nevertheless mentions ideas, determinism, Aristotle's theory of habits, Aquinas' doctrine of mm, the non-voluntarium, the debate on the relationship between intellect and will from Jean Buridan, the psychoanalytic theories on unconscious drives, and Isaiah Berlin's distinction between negative and positive freedom. For his part, he draws inspiration from these discussions and makes his own original synthesis and contribution, contribution that derives from his philosophical theology and his analysis of human beings as linguistic animals. The starting point is the definition, although generic, of freedom as being the cause of one's own actions. Say, an action of Fred is free to the extent it is carried out by Fred himself 
and not by somebody, something else. This way, McCabe takes for granted that in the real world, the human person is never endowed with two equally weighing possible choices. That was the Buridan's Hass paradox. And also, McCabe takes notice both of what Aquinas says in the Summa Theologiae about human will. That, the, that, that will is compatible with two kinds of necessity, natural necessity and hypothetical necessity, but is not compatible with the third kind of necessity that is constraint. And he takes notice also of Berlin's definition of negative freedom. Indeed, another individual can, to some extent, induce my actions, though diminishing my freedom. And, for example, this is the reason why the first public speech of Jesus was about freedom for the oppressed and the enslaved. enslaved. Furthermore, a thing or substance can cause me to carry out an action. If I was under the influence of drugs, to that extent my action would not be free. In this world, a complete negative freedom does not exist. Quote, I doubt whether there are any completely free human actions. We are all to a great extent determined by factors outside our control, control and in ways that we are not conscious of." End quote. McCabe writes. Nevertheless, McCabe maintains that to some extent a human is spontaneous and negatively free. However, even though a part of my actions is not caused by causes other from me, this does not imply that I behave, behave randomly or arbitrarily, that is, without any cause. In fact, to some extent, I can be the cause of myself. Therefore, McCabe analyzes what Berlin called positive freedom. Reactions are motivated and carried out for reasons that are inherent in me. These reasons stem from both my moral habits, moral habits, and therefore from my personality, and the present circumstances of reality, and are essential to freedom. Internal causes, reasons, motivations, build up freedom and do not hinder it, despite what the commonplace says. Analyzing the causes of this positive freedom, that is, of that force or power to act, physical capacities, intellectual skills, psychological strength, moral purposes, McCabe maintains that this force does not come from nothing. But in reality, comes from others. He dislikes a certain kind of liberalism that holds that we need just negative freedom, i.e. a type of liberalism that makes you free from other people, allows you to be left alone and means freedom from social constraints.
this is not sufficient. For instance, the Bible says that insofar as you follow the Torah, you are freed from enslavement to the gods, and so to other people. It is the Torah that permits the existence of love. By ourselves, namely, without the ideal and interpersonal and provided by the law, need provided by the law, we are not able to be free. Because he, McCabe, adheres to the Christian new law and also upholds certain psychoanalytical theories on the development of the personality, McCabe wonders how freedom and love are related to each other. Let us follow his argument. Around myself, I need some room where others do not interfere. But it does not exist, that room does not exist by itself. In the real world, it is given by other people as a gift. And among these gifts, there is my personality itself. In this space or room, a person can be without being used to behave in any particular way. In fact, people who do not receive love always try to justify themselves in order to be loved by possessing wealth or other goods. The root of evil lies in not having been loved or in not recognizing that one has been loved. Therefore, it is others who give us this gift of positive freedom that is the power to act. How is it possible, however, to describe it more in detail? Here McCabe links Augustine's idea that an action is free only if it refers to knowledge with some ideas coming from the philosophy of language of the 20th century. The use of any word, new or old, is creative in the sense that having an animal sensation is not creative. What we see or hear or touch is determined by the world around us, whereas what we say slash think is not so determined. In fact, we can choose to speak of the world in its indefinite number of ways, and in this indefinite number, there is the root of human freedom. Other animals act willingly or unwillingly because their behavior is mediated by knowledge, even though just sensual knowledge, but they cannot behave differently. Their system of sensed meanings do not include any negation. We are attracted by the world as we interpret it. Sensual interpretation is shared, indeed, with our non-linguistic fellow animals, but we have also intellectual interpretation, and in both cases, the cause of attraction is not only in what we are, but also in what we know. It is different from what a pen does when we, these glasses, we drop it and it falls because of its mass and the force of gravity. Like a dog, 
we are attracted by steak because we see it, we smell it. But differently from the dog, we are also attracted by it because of what we say, think of it. For instance, that steak belongs to someone else. That steak is full of cholesterol. That steak is made of the flesh of poor animals. That steak is expensive. It could be observed, observed that this description of freedom tells us that these many interpretations of a piece of reality, the stake, if they are true, are as many links to that piece with other pieces, cholesterol and money and the others. If they are true, if they are not false, if not, they are not links to other pieces of reality. Are, are they? And this multiplicity of links can produce innovation. For example, I do not eat the steak, I do not kill animals anymore, and develop a technology for producing vegetable proteins. The more true ideas I know, the freer I am. The amount of real and true alternatives that I have present in my intellect is directly proportional to the quality of freedom that I have in my will. Truth will set you free. It is a very traditional idea from uh, patristic and scholastic theology, but fed, uh, organized, uh, communicated in a fresh and contemporary way. In conclusion, human beings are free to the extent that they have multiple true interpretations of the world by means of their intellect. Also, they are free insofar as they have enough room to be themselves. Room that is a gift from other humans. Now I come to the second idea I want to, by McCabe, I want to present. The sense or meaning of human life. Christianity's main symbol is a man, Jesus, hanged to an instrument of torture and death. And this religion states that the core of his faith lies in the mystery of Jesus' passion, death and resurrection. In it there is a meaning of human life as well according to Christianity. Jesus dies as all humans do, but few of them, few of us, are so wickedly killed because of their, our ideals. And unlike everybody, Jesus rises again. Why the second aspect, which is bound to the third? Why was the founder of Christianity crucified? It is characteristic of humans to struggle for their own ideals, to be unjustly persecuted and to die. Moreover, somehow, these aspects of human life are more important than others. More important than others, i.e. more important than achievements and fulfillments. You know that now there is a widespread rhetoric about the flourishing of 
more flourishing, flourishing of human life according to the, the virtue ethics of Aristotle. Even though Aristotle wrote in his ethics that one of those flourishing uh, virtues was courage, and courage was courage uh, in, in battle, when you are ready to give your own life for the sake of your country. So not that flourishing in a pretty sense of the word. For example, McCabe considers Florence Nightingale's life and observes that she died many years after her great achievements. Many years after. Those achievements she got within human society and in the last years she was not able to speak anymore and her mind failed. According to humanism, her death was not an important event to be recorded and commented. Whereas for a Christian, it was the most important moment of her life. Much more than those she spent with the British army in the hospitals of Crimea. Quote, for the Christian, a man's eternal fate depends not on the balance of good and evil in his life, but on whether or not he has in him the power of divine love at his death." Unquote. Thus, there are two issues. First, we are afraid to acknowledge that the deep things in life are suffering and death, more than achievements and fulfillments. Difficulty. Second, since there are indeed other things in human life, apart from suffering and death, there are indeed the so-called achievements, we have the task of, quote, making value out of suffering and death amongst other things, unquote. Not in themselves, but amongst other things. Manichaean dualism's solution puts it simply. Affective, political, and cultural achievements are worthless. And all the real goods lie within an afterlife subsequent to death. So that, one, we are told not to fear the loss of those worthless achievements. And second, we can find a meaning in our death because it is a threshold to those real goods. McCabe, in fact, acknowledges that philosophical dualism attracts Christians because as humans, they feel themselves, quote, as torn between conflicting poles, unquote. However, McCabe does not think that it is the right solution, dualism is the right solution to those two problems, fear of loss and lack of meaning. To distance ourselves from dualism, 
it is not easy at all. For instance, we cannot rely on Darwin's monistic framework, dualism, monism. Because in McCabe's opinion, we humans are a non-adapted species. And that is for two reasons. First, the first one is our attitude to death, which is different from other animals. McCabe thinks that death is natural to them, but not to us. Quote, because we do not just have a lifetime fitting into the rhythms of nature, rather, we each have a life story. Every human life is not just a cycle, but an unfinished story which we have been telling. When we die, at the hands of nature, nature is a usurer, taking away more than we received from her. Hence, our sense of injustice and outrage. We do not just belong to the natural world, we reach beyond it. This is what first of all makes human life mysterious, and human death a mystery. And this is why human death is something that needs to be made sense of." End quote. The second reason for our non-adaptation is the wickedness of the species towards its own members. Jesus, for example, was a good member of the human species and he was killed exactly because he was good, not despite he was good. Humans cannot fulfill their nature without love. However, according to McCabe, although without love you cannot live, if you love enough, you will be killed. If you love enough, not you warmly and uh, hypocritically. hypocritically. These two reasons for human non-adaptation, however, could find a reciprocal, li reciprocal link and possibly a solution in Christianity. That is to say, if we humans, like Jesus, try to be fully human, we will be condemned, that is, persecuted, and despised, and mocked, and isolated, and killed by the world, by, that is, by a wicked system of alliance of other humans. But also, we will rise again, that is a promise. That is, we will find that final meaning of our human death that otherwise would be meaningless and unjust, outrageous, outrageous. Quote, it is good news, because we believe that precisely by taking on death, by submitting to death out of loving obedience to the demands of that love, Jesus called his father, Jesus took on death and conquered it in itself, human death, otherwise, is senseless." Unquote. 
A sacrifice for the sake of others is meant to respect the very ontological essence of the human person, who does not subsist within past achievement. Think about Florence Nightingale. And on the expected future ones, future achievements. But instead, within the tension between the two, McKay says, quote, the self I look at is not longer me. I'm not to be found in what is looked at, but in the very looking, end quote. To be both alive and myself is to go beyond the self I possess. When Jesus said that only he who loses his life will save it, he was, quote, talking about what it is to be hum a human being, always to be going beyond a self, which has become a possession, a property, something to be proud of, end quote. Such a looking concerns both the achievements and the joy that stems from them, because humans naturally seek pleasure. However, such a look at achievements and joy is not a possession of them, but rather is a hope that the cross, that is a sacrificial death, will not destroy them, but somehow give them a meaning which is impossible to get from their own transition, transitions and from any deceitful and fragile feeling of pride. Quote, to believe in the cross as distinct from knowing it happened or respecting it in the circumstances is to believe that this challenge to the world at the cost of destruction is not only right, but is the key to what human life is about." Unquote. These are my very short conclusions. In all these stimulating and profound philosophical and theological ideas, we see a true intelligence at work, capable of drawing from the great thinkers, whether Aquinas, Wittgenstein, Freud, Darwin, or Berlin, the precious elements for a new synthesis, endowed with an original focus and express in terms suitable for his contemporaries in order to illuminate concrete aspects of our lives. Thank you for your attention.